0: Welcome to Fly on the Wall, a podcast where you have the opportunity to listen in on a live coaching conversation. Please make sure to like and
1: subscribe. And now for today's episode. Hey
0: everyone, welcome to Fly on the Wall. Today we are talking with my good friend and lead pastor of Faith Chapel Church in San Diego, Brian Ross, and we're talking about how to deal as pastors with the sensitive subjects that are in our society today. Hope you enjoy the coaching conversation. What's up, man? How how can I serve you today? Well, hey, thanks so much, Chris,
1: for uh, being a part of our ministry, my life. I just want to say, first and foremost, Church Boom has been a great blessing. You've been a great blessing in helping us identify things we need to move forward and things in my life we need to move forward. It's making us a better church, and I'm becoming a better pastor because of you. So thank you so much. Yeah,
0: no, thanks. Appreciate you saying that.
1: That's awesome. A couple of questions that I have as we get started is... um, I mean, if you hire someone, a new hire, and you know right away they're not working out. I mean, it's just not a fit or a team fit. Kind of what's the process in dealing with that new hire? What do you follow? What do you recommend?
0: Mm, Man, well, uh, of course, (laughs) that's a tough one. Um, I think first, and this doesn't really answer the question, but I think first, I think it's a great it's a great time to assess as a leader because I've been there before, uh, been there, you know. But you assess as a leader and think, okay, um, where did I go wrong? What happened? Did I not interview enough? Did I not? Did I not vet enough? Did I not ask the right questions? Did I make assumptions? Did I see more potential in them than there really was? Um, did I not test the culture to make sure that they fit? Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I think first and foremost, whenever I've gone through that, I'm like, I dropped the ball somewhere. It's on me because they didn't drop the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that I, in most cases, I think that first of all, we have to know we dropped the ball, figure out where we dropped the ball, figure out where we messed that up a little bit. I'm not saying it's all the time that way, but often it is. And what did I do wrong? How did I go wrong? And then I got to own it and be like, I'm the one that's kind of created that. I've been there, you know, where I've moved someone in and do all that. And it's like, you know, six months later, I'm like, what did I do? (laughs) It was a bad move, you know? So with that said, in that situation for me personally, I do everything I can to try to find another seat for them on the bus. If there is another place for them on the, I don't think my first thing is get off the bus. My first thing is, can I find another seat? If I can find another seat, great. If I can't I have to have that honest conversation because I can't continue with that. On those situations, I find myself erring a little bit more on generosity because internally, I know that it's probably more on me than it's on them. Maybe they made the wrong choice that I was the wrong fit, but I'm the boss and I made the wrong choice. And so for me, I I err on the side of generosity, but what I don't want to do is I don't want to keep a weak staff member or a wrong place staff member in place just because you know i want to save face or i want to um you know i don't know whatever just because i don't want to deal with the conflict all that does is create problems i I always say that the i think the most the worst thing you can do for strong staff members is to tolerate a weak one uh it's the worst thing you can do for a strong member uh because they're going to start because here's what happens brian internally maybe maybe externally but internally they're questioning you they're questioning me why isn't he dealing with that doesn't he see how late they are doesn't he see they're not the right bit doesn't he see that they're totally doesn't he see they're not delivering the worst thing you can do for strong staff members is to tolerate a weak one uh because they will ultimately question you whether they say it or not they're internally questioning you so i think you got to look at the vetting process where did i go wrong you got to see if there's another seat on the bus for them. Hopefully, there is. If there isn't, you got to deal with it and probably err a little more on the side of grace and generosity because we probably made the mistake. <laughs> you know, we probably need to own it and made the mistake. Like that was on me. I mean, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me, and I made a mistake here. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I've been there, and that, that's how I kind of handle those kind of things.
1: I think, um, one of the things that every pastor in every church is dealing with is how do we get more volunteers oh, yeah. and I know that Pareto principle you know twenty percent of the people do eight percent of the work, and it yeah. seems like it might even be getting worse than that, like things are becoming set of wider and deeper. It's becoming wider and thinner as more yeah. people are working in the church. So as you're trying to develop that volunteer-based wider and deeper, what are maybe your top three steps in creating this volunteer pipeline to help get more people volunteering yeah. in the church?
0: Yeah, yeah. You, um, it is different. That is for sure. Um, however, what I don't think is different, I, I, God's not creating people differently. Uh, society could mold that differently, but internally inside of people, they still want significance. They still want to belong. They still want to matter. Uh, I think that we have to understand because I hear that a lot, especially post pandemic. I hear that a lot, uh, of, Hey, it's hard to get volunteers. It's hard to, whatever. Um, and first I think we have to understand like, God, that God hasn't changed how he created people. It, 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 we're all the same in the sense of it creates a significance, it creates this one to matter, we want to have purpose, we want to do something. I think understanding that's important. What I do sense is from people is, I, I do sense um, that the staff has to be more intentional about it than ever before. That I will say. I don't think what's in the heart of the person's changed. I, I think that, Staff has to become more intentional. The natural gravitation, the natural, hey, I sign up to serve and I serve everywhere and the church is open, you know, I'm there. Like that's not the way the society is. But the heart hasn't changed because God hasn't changed how he's created people. What has to change is, and we weren't used to this 10 years ago, but we have to get used to it now. The staff, the team, the key leaders, they've got to become more intentional about building their teams. They can't leave it to just chance, which is what we did probably 10 years ago. Like, I don't know, it was just, people just signed up for stuff. People, want, people always showed a desire, but I don't, I, that I think has changed. Why, I don't know, but I think it's changed. But when I'm working with, um, I was recently working with a church in Ohio and then before that, uh, Texas, and the subject came up the same both times, volunteer, volunteer. And as I've taught them, hey, your staff and your key leaders have got to get more intentional about it. Kind of like the 90 day run you and I've talked about how many people, you know, the staff. OK, staff, you, you you recruit five, you recruit eight together. That's 40. Let's get 40 new volunteers in the next 60 days. I'm telling you, when that 90 day run and when it's done, you do it again. And when it's done, you do it again. Bro, I'm telling you, every church I've worked with on it, that has been very good about it and has driven that, they are seeing their volunteer base go through the roof. And I love also is they're seeing their attendance go through the roof because they're getting more people engaged. Um, I think that's an important part of it. So I would say that the, the, word, that, the word that comes to my mind is intentionality. I don't think we had to be as intentional, but I just, we're not there anymore. You better be intentional and you better have a plan. I love the 90 day plan. I also love churches determining and you and I talked about that. I was with, the, with you and the staff recently. We've talked about that before. Like what's it look like at your church faith chapel? What's it look like if I join the team, what does that look like in the first 90 days? What's the experience look like? You guys sending me a welcome basket. You send, you give me a swag bag. Do I have an onboarding process? Like what's it feel like when I join the the, the ranks of being a part of the dream team. Like what's that actually feel like? And I tell people all the time, that's just a choice. How you make that experience when you join your team is just a choice. That's not a God choice. That's just an our choice. Uh, and so I think that's part of it as well. So intentionality about how we onboard people, intentionality about recruiting, coming up with some sort of 90 day plan, which I've talked about a lot with people. Um, I, I, I think that word intentionality is important now, way more than it was 10 years ago. I don't know if you concur with that word intentionality, but I, leaving it to 100%. chance it doesn't work anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I think 100% we have to be intentional. And I think, you know, you're always looking for people who aren't serving, who aren't engaged, who aren't involved, newcomers, people maybe who've been sitting there for a while, right? Or coming out of COVID, people are really busy, got tired because of COVID or lost, you know, the habit of serving or however you yeah. want to describe that now they're coming back into church and maybe it's just a simple ask. Hey, you used to yeah. serve here. You still have a heart for that area of ministry or is there something else you'd like to do to help serve? Um, one of the follow-up questions I'd have with that, cause we're doing the 90 day, right. And yeah. it's working well,
0: Yeah,
1: it's working well. But one of the things is how do we create greater communication, if you will, amongst the departments, because what we see happening a little bit in the 90 day, is that uh, if somebody has a heart to serve, will they sign up for youth ministry and then they sign up for worship ministry and they sign up for kids ministry? And everybody's like, "Wow, these people are awesome!" But then they're not being poured into. They're never at church. The, you know, the the potential down the road is they get burned out and then they don't want to serve anywhere.
0: Yeah, because uh, you know,
1: because they have the gift of helps or gift of service or they just yeah. have a heart for God in the church and they just want to help wherever they're asked. Yeah. So communicating interdepartmentally is really important, and and maybe some uh, follow up question of how we can make that better because that's what what we're dealing with.
0: Yeah. Well, and then also it adds another problem. It's like we recruited 40 new people. Mm, Not really. (laughs) Yeah, not really. Right. (laughs) That's
1: what I had to point out at our last 90 day meeting. Yeah, not really.
0: (laughs) Not really. uh, This one
1: girl is now serving in five places. That's not. You know, you can't all claim her. As, <laughs> you can't all claim her.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, I, do, I, I do think that there is uh, two things. I mean, it's, it, I don't think it's some deep, wow, leadership thought that I have about this. But uh, I, think it, I think it can come up in staff before anybody's approached. And I also think it can all, also, I believe it needs to be a part of the conversation when people are recruiting hey, uh, man, I think you're great. I'd love to have you serve in this area. Um, um, but, you know, would you be interested in that? Yeah. But are you are you currently serving another? Like somewhere they've got to find out, well, I'm already serving in three other areas. There's got to be a philosophy uh, at Faith Chapel that's like, person can serve in one area, maybe two, but that's pretty much it. Or whatever the number is that you feel comfortable with as a lead pastor. You can't, I mean, I wouldn't, Two has got to start matching out somewhere. Uh, And so I think it has to become part of the staff culture that whenever they approach anybody, uh, a, it comes up in a staff meeting and B and, or B, it might happen in a hallway conversation and you can't, you know, it just kind of comes up and you can't wait to a staff meeting because it's coming up. I think they need to ask because I think there needs to be a, a sort of guideline that comes from faith chapel and comes from the top that, because we want you to spend time with your family, spend time in church, spend time with your kids, because we value all of that. We don't want you serving in any more than these areas. Uh, and it, that's, it, that's kind of what we came up with was,
1: yeah. that's the first question you need to ask when you're approaching somebody is, are you serving someplace because of the pressure to, of a pastor asking you right. to serve,
0: right? That you just, yeah.
1: you might not, you, you might feel like you're already serving someplace and already overwhelmed a little bit. But how do you tell your pastor no? And so yep. we want to give them that out at the very beginning. We say, hey, are you serving anywhere? Yeah, And let them give us the opportunity. Hey, where I'm serving here and here. Well, that's wonderful. I know those are great pastors. We're all on the same team. We're building the church. Thank you so much for serving and just move on without even bringing up your area. Yep. That's kind of what we came up with.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's what I would do. I'd make it a, I, and I would make it a, and, and also I, I would make it a, a guideline that um, maybe some of the, Softer, softer spoken staff or stop, softer spoken leaders could have an out with someone that, that maybe the conversation comes up and they're able to say, hey, you know, just here at Faith Chapel, because our pastor believes A, B, and C, we don't let anybody serve more than two areas. And that way, someone like that a lot. That way, they, they, they not that they, they could blame you or put it on you, but it's like, this is what the organization's decided. And so right. you need to stay in those things, and, and it gives the softer leader that opportunity to have it out if they get trapped. Uh, well,
1: our next gym pastor, who's my son, and you know well, yeah. uh, spiritual health is he's a big not a thing He's not the softer leader,
0: by the way. <laughs> no, no, definitely no, not, No, If you're watching this, you're not a soft leader.
1: <laughs> but he is very sensitive, and and uh, I think a very great steward over people's spiritual health yeah. and how that how they're serving and what they do in their in their day to day life affects them and their spiritual health and their, you know, and their emotional health. And um, he's the one that's really brought this to the forefront of the table. And I think, you know, I've been guilty. I'm old school and, you know, serve and keep serving and be there every time the church doors are open. Right. But yeah. it just doesn't work. People's lives are busy and we yeah. need to respect uh, what God's doing in their life, but give them opportunities as well.
0: Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And I think it's part of shepherding, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm I get sorry. it. I get it. i oh, serve, serve, serve. I get it. I got the same spirit you do, but that might be a mistake on our side to say, well, mm-hmm. but our job is to shepherd and right. we tend and make sure the sheep are healthy. Right. So, yeah. Well,
1: along that same line, I think pastoring is getting harder, right. than, than maybe ever before, oh, yeah. uh, political, financial, let alone the spiritual burdens that you would carry pastoring a church. Right. How how can a pastor stay balanced in light of, I think everything that's happening around us and yet still stay informed. Uh, I think it's difficult today.
0: Well, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. Let me flip it that way. And then, then, then we'll talk about some more. Where have you, because you're talking about the political side, uh, which (laughs) today in all my career, it's never been more heavy and you have to be more sensitive and use more wisdom than ever before. Uh, it just, so you got the political issues, you've got, you've got social issues, you've got racial issues, you've got, I mean, they're just all across the board. Where have you found, personally, just out of curiosity, where have you found the most difficult to navigate? Uh, that's
1: a, that's a, I've never been asked that question, so I don't have that off the top of my head. I do know how I've responded to all those things. Um, You know, I was taught early on in ministry that uh, about the sacredness Mm -hmm. of the of the pulpit and of the message that we're supposed to communicate. And so for me, um, because I have people of all walks of life, all nationalities, you know, um, we have people living on the streets and we have highly educated people. We have wealthy and we have poor. We have. Mm people from many different countries that go to our church. Uh, We have people on both sides of the aisle that go to my church.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, but for me, because of the way I was mentored early on, it was to point people back to Jesus. Like that's the most important thing is that you're, you know, is that we're members of, uh, of, you know, not not just the kingdom of the United States, but the kingdom of God. And that takes precedent over every other kingdom. We just keep people, Keep focusing people um, on that, but it the balance part is difficult. I mean, it, we've lost some people because I'm not as socially active, mm-hmm. uh, I don't address those things like they would want from maybe the pulpit, right? Uh, or politically, in from the pulpit. And um, there are other ministries that have kind of built their ministry on those things, yep. So, um, it, it is difficult. I, I want to be well informed so I'm not ignorant because there's a there's a There's a lot of people that feel like the church is ignorant on policies and that they're not, you know, uh, well read and they don't understand what's happening. But that doesn't mean I have to take it into the pulpit. So there's just this balance um, in your own personal life as well. You're trying to balance your what you do in the pulpit. How do you shepherd your sheep and how do you take care of the church? How do you shepherd your community? How do you shepherd your family and how do you keep balance and shepherd yourself? And through yeah. all this, it's, oh, it's, it's a, a difficult season.
0: Yep. It sure is. Uh, yeah. And man, some of my thoughts are, I, I, I agree with you. Um, the, the way I had someone say it to me recently, my own coach told me, he said, be careful not to sacrifice the eternal for the immediate. Hmm. So the immediate right. is I post to social media because I'm against this, or I don't like that, or I got something to say about that or whatever. We say it in the pulpit or so, wherever we say it. Um, he said, you're losing your influence in the eternal because you're, you're trying to make a statement in the immediate. Uh, I, however, on the other side of it, I think there's times where we do have to take a stand. Uh, and there's times where we have to say that's not right. So finding that balance, I think is so important. Eternal versus immediate, finding the balance of when to take a stand and not, I can tell you this for social media, personally, everybody's got a different opinion about it but I've never read someone's social media post and said, that's it. I'm changing my entire view. Like, (laughs) first of all, the people that follow you normally agree with you. Uh, (laughs) You're all friends. The whole thing is called friends on how many friends do you have on social media? It's like, I believe this. We believe you too. Like, okay, great. Don't know what difference that made. (laughs) So I, I have a thing that I tell people that, that all the time I'm like, look, I get it. You want to go on social media, but realize it's only your friends and realize you're sitting on the comfort of your couch and you're just rattling off whatever you want from the comfort of your couch. How about turning off the phone or wherever you're doing your social media and actually go out and do something that will actually help make a difference, you know, um, and, and do something that's actually going to change. We talk about the darkness of of church. Uh, We talk about what I mean by the darkness is how many churches are closing, how many people are quitting ministry. So, you know, Church Boom has a, you know, I talked about it. We have an initiative called Church Rescue. We're trying to rescue churches. Now I could go on social media and blast everything that's happening about why churches are shutting down and America's changing and this, or I can actually get out there and try to rescue churches, which we are uh, in the hundreds. And we're, we're trying our best and trying to constantly do that. That's my point. So I think, I do think that there's a, you got to be careful what you say in the pulpit. You got to be careful what you say in social media. I think you have to not sacrifice the eternal for the immediate. And you got to find a balance. I think there are times where you do have to say something. I will say this. When I think there's something major to be addressed, um, I, I at least I've done this a few times and I found it to be healthy. I don't do it on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. If it's a major issue, like, whoa, there's some tension, folks. I know that X, whatever it is, is tension. And I think we should talk about it as a church. So tonight at 6 o'clock, if you want to talk about it, I'll be here. And we'll talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it on Sunday morning. It, I think that makes a statement to people. I think Monday we're guarding morning. Sunday morning to know what that needs to be. And we do need to talk about it, but we're not going to do that in this space. We're going to do it over here um, when it's not being recorded. <laughs> 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 And broadcast all over social media and misquoted. and yes, yeah. yeah, There you go. So I've done that a few times where I'm like, hey, we'll, we'll talk about it. tonight. And,
1: well, you know, uh, our church history, you know, George Gregg, who established our church and put it on the map really to where it was. And that was his uh, that was his approach. Yeah. 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. He would call them family meetings. Hey, I know there's something going on. Uh, we'll address it tonight at six o'clock. We'll have a family meeting. We'll take that on head on, but
0: not this morning. It's about Jesus. And that's, and he would say that from the pulpit. And I think that's a great thing to say. I think a, it protects the sacred of our, of our services. Also, you know, let's say a church runs 500 people and 80 people show up Sunday night. The people that showed up actually care about it. Now, if we would have said it on Sunday morning, it's 420 people that, didn't really care. <laughs> Doesn't don't feel the need to express it. Don't feel the need to talk about it. Have their own opinion, and they're they're good, and they don't really care what you think. They're just they're fine. Uh, it's not that. And so it's like, why are we going to spend all this time riling people up when nine out of ten of them don't really care, won't even show up to a meeting to talk about it? Uh, so I think that helps as well. But it is a balance, man. It's a uh, it, it, it's like nothing I've ever seen, and. What you can get away with, I don't even know if you've ever noticed this, but I I, I like old, um, I like going through Netflix or Hulu and finding old sitcoms. I don't know if you've gone through old sitcoms and thought, there's no way you could say that now. Yes, I have. I won't get into what was said, but there's no (laughs) way you could say that now. No way. Yep. And you could have said, it was fine to say it then the whole audience laughed and no one complained about it, but no way could you say that now. Yeah. You'd be banished from Hollywood forever. <laughs> exactly. you'd be, the cancel, <laughs> cancel culture would come right in right away. Uh, and that intensity of uh, multiple subjects, not just one, multiple subjects, the intensity of being careful with it has grown and, and uh, it makes it careful, but find that balance. I think finding the balance and, Um, I think once in a while, there are things that need to be addressed, but I'm a fan. Everybody's got an opinion about it. I'm a fan of it being in a different meeting. I'm not a fan of it being Sunday morning. Uh, I'm definitely not personally. I'm not really a fan of building a church on it, like you mentioned, uh, because here's the thing that I've found uh, um, about friendships that are built on subjects. When friendship is built on a subject, when one person doesn't agree anymore with that person on the subject, they're no longer friends Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when it's only built on a subject, not built on our call for Christ our walk with God, our team, our family, our, you know, kingdom purpose. It's if, if it's, if our big, if, if our big identity is on a subject, as soon as I don't agree with you anymore, you no longer want to be my friend. And so I have to keep agreeing with you in order for you to be my friend. And I, I think that's a dangerous place person. I agree. Yeah. So anyway, hey, man, uh, I see we're out of time. I got to jump on another call. But man, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out today. And I always love serving you.
1: Hey, I always love listening to you and uh, made several notes here. Thanks a lot for your help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later, man. Have a good day. God bless. All right. See you, bud.
1: Thanks for stopping by today. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and to be on the lookout for more podcasts from Fly on the Wall. See you next time.